Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel for today. We are continuing with our ongoing series of year-ahead conversations with today's conversation focusing in specifically on the preferred security sector. So that means joining me here in studio today, I'm glad to welcome back Senior Fixed Income Strategist with the Americas from the UBS Chief Investment Office, Frank Saleo. Frank, great to be with you here at the table. Welcome back. Thanks a lot, Dan. Great to be here. Thanks. Absolutely. So as I alluded to, Frank, today's conversation will be focusing in on the preferred security sector. It might be helpful for our listeners, our clients as a starting point, if you can provide them with a general overview and introduction of preferred stock investing. Oh, sure. Thanks, Dan. The main thing when it comes to preferred stocks is is to keep in mind that relative to common stocks, uh, the reason they're called preferred stocks is because they have preferential treatment in terms of priority of dividend payments and claim on assets. But even though they're called preferred stocks, capital appreciation is usually uh, not the main focus for investors investing in preferreds. Instead, uh, preferred investors are typically focused on the regular coupon payment uh, from preferreds. It's, it's usually paid uh, on a quarterly basis, sometimes semi-annually, and it's really the yield uh, that is uh, attractive to the uh, preferred investor. Now, well, that's the draw, is, is the yield, yeah, and it's a yield product. Um, in terms of issuer quality, and this is important too, issuers tend to be uh, relatively high-quality investment-grade issuers. They're usually banks, a lot of the household names that we're all familiar with here in the U.S. As a matter of fact, 80% of all preferreds, roughly 80%, are, are issued by the financial sector. Again, mostly banks. I would say two-thirds of all uh, U.S. preferreds are issued by banks. And the reason for this is that the banks get to satisfy capital requirements when issuing preferreds. So, in effect, they're required to issue those preferreds. They're required to maintain uh, diverse capital funding sources, and preferred stocks are part of that. Preferreds count as, as, as what's called additional tier one capital. So, although they trade like fixed income and to investors, they may have some characteristics of, of fixed income investors. Preferreds actually count as equity to the bank issuer. And the reason they count as equity is because in the bank's capital structure, preferreds are subordinated. That means they're lower than all forms of debt. They're subordinated to all forms of debt in the bank's capital structure, and they're they're really senior only to common stocks. So that goes back to the discussion earlier of why they're called preferreds. They're preferred only to common stock, but subordinated to all other forms of debt. But from an investor standpoint, in exchange for that subordination, investors get uh, a yield premium. So preferred yields are typically higher uh, uh, than they would be on the bonds of the same bank, uh, the uh, bank's uh, bonds. So the bank's preferreds will have a yield that's typically higher than the yield on that same bank's bond. And today we're talking about yields of about 7% for, for bank preferreds. And there's one additional benefit to keep in mind uh, for investors, and this again relates to that subordination and that uh, 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 equity portion of the bank's capital structure, and that's that the coupon on 
preferreds are often eligible for QDI treatment. That's qualified dividend income treatment. So they're tax advantaged. So when we look, Dan, at that 7% yield currently available in the preferred market, it could actually be considered to be higher on a taxable equivalent basis in many cases. Well, Frank, that was a very helpful Preferred Securities 101. So thank you for delivering that to our listeners and our clients. So let's pivot a bit, speak about the year that was, talk about what's ahead of us in 2024. As we reflect back on 2023, Frank, how did the sector perform relative to your expectations back in January? And as we look ahead to 2024, what is your outlook for the group? Definitely. Well, we came into 2023 feeling more optimistic about preferreds, especially after the record losses experienced last year. As a matter of fact, 2022 was one of the worst years on record uh, for preferred investors, second only to uh, the financial crisis and in 2008. So our optimism coming into this year was driven by our interest rate outlook and by the sector's valuation. Uh, you know, one of the silver linings of, of last year's record losses, uh, is that it led to improved valuations, of course. Uh, but then as 2023 unfolded, the preferred sector faced even more headwinds. Uh, first in, in the January, February time period, uh, we were hit by a higher Fed rate expectations getting priced into the market. And then in March and again in early May, uh, the regional banking concerns began to uh, bubble up in the market and started to emerge. And and then more recently, uh, we've had a surge in interest rates from August through October. So overall, uh, preferred sector returns uh, year-to-date in 2023 have been somewhat muted this year with a year-to-date return of about 5%. It's important to note most of that uh, 5% year-to-date return actually has come from the performance of just over the past few weeks. Actually, uh, it was around mid-October the preferred sector had basically flipped from a year-to-date gain to a year-to-date loss, basically wiping out all of the performance of, of 2023 uh, in that mid-October time frame. But thankfully, given the uh, decline in, in interest rates, uh, the pullback in, in Treasury yields that uh, we've experienced over the past several weeks, that's created a nice uplift and rebound to preferreds. And so now we're sitting at a year-to-date return of about 5% uh, so far in 2023. In terms of outlook, looking ahead, uh, in terms of the, the uh, it's going to be driven by the interest rate outlook. Again, once again, the Fed is driving the bus here, as has been the case sure. so often for the past 18 months. And uh, on, in that regard, we think that the Fed's July rate increase was its last, and we expect to see an extended pause from here. Uh, that's our CIO expectation. As a matter of fact, we think there may even be scope for uh, cuts as we move further into 2024, maybe around the mid-2024 ra- uh, range. And so along with an economic slowdown, that would support lower treasury rates from here. And we could add to that current preferred valuations with yields well above historical averages on an absolute basis. And additionally, most preferreds, this is the real interesting part, I think, most preferreds, about 90% of all the preferreds out there are trading at a discount to par. So there is 
price appreciation uh, potential currently in the market. Overall, Dan, we have a favorable view that combination of current valuations against the backdrop of potentially lower trending interest rates could lead to uh, impre- impressive performance and we could see uh, solid 12-month returns uh, from here. So it's a good combination. So I have to ask then, Frank, going into 2024, how should preferred investors be positioning? Yeah. Well, I think one of the most exciting things about the preferred sector is the uh, variety of coupon types. Um, that's just me, but I just think that's very exciting about the preferred space. Uh, so it, overall, I think it makes sense to diversify by coupon type and by par value. Uh, I should uh, point out the preferred security sector can be divided into two segments based on par value. You have $25 par preferreds and you have $1,000 par preferreds. And the $25 par uh, preferred sector predominantly consists of uh, Fixed rate coupons, preferreds with fixed rate coupons, sometimes called fixed for life, while the $1,000 par preferreds are all variable rate structures. And then uh, there are two main types of variable rate preferreds. There are uh, fixed to floats and fixed rate resets. The fixed rate resets pay a fixed coupon during their initial non-call period. Typically, it's five years. Then if that fixed rate reset preferred is not called at the first call date, the coupon resets based on the five-year treasury yield at the time plus a reset spread, and it's fixed again. It resets and and fixes again for a subsequent five-year period. So that's the fixed rate reset, and it's sometimes referred to as a fixed-to-fixed because of that structure. And this contrasts with the traditional fixed to floating rate structure, which has a quarterly coupon reset. If it's not called at the first call date, the coupon will reset every three months if not called. So that's um, uh, uh, the distinction between those two types of variable rate preferreds. So overall, gaining sector exposure with a combination of both fixed and variable rate coupons and with different types of variable rate structures could lead to better resilience. And Dan, with that in mind, I think in today's marketplace, there are actually some particular opportunities as they relate to these fixed rate resets that are callable with reset dates over the next 12 to 24 months and that trade at discounts to par. Uh, these look particularly interesting to me at this point, given the current level of uh, of the treasury curve and given that the five-year treasury yield is, is currently well above average, that means that if these discounted fixed rate resets uh, do not get called in, at par, there's a good likelihood that they're going to reset based on a five-year treasury yield that is well above average, which would translate into a step-up coupon, in some cases a a substantial step-up in the coupon, which could help uh, uh, narrow that that discount to par. Alternatively, the fixed rate reset with a a reset or call date over the next 12 to 24 months may just get called, in which case you get instant price appreciation potential given that you you bought it at a discount and it gets called at par. So those are particularly interesting opportunities for me. I highlight specific recommendations in the latest monthly update to our preferred top picks report. It was published on November 13th. And one last point, that that report, the latest top picks report, also highlights swap ideas 
for current preferred holders. I would encourage listeners to check out the latest edition of the Preferred Securities Top Picks Report. And to stay current on your research in 2024, it's an ongoing publication, right, Frank? Absolutely. Updated monthly. Excellent. And do encourage our listeners a lot of considerations when it comes to positioning within preferred. So do encourage our clients of UBS to have a follow-up conversation with their UBS financial advisor if they have any questions or would like to receive direct copies of Frank's research and research from the team directly. Though, Frank, thank you for dropping by the studio. Great to hear about your outlook expectations for the year ahead and hope we could do more of these in person. Well, likewise. Thanks a lot, Dan. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.